So we've come to the Christmas season. It's crazy to think that we've come through another year already and are about to get into the 2022 year. Uh, but before we get to the beginning of the next year, we always end the year with the celebration of Christmas. Now, just to give you a heads up as to how the next couple weeks is going to look or next few weeks is going to look, uh, we're going to talk about Christmas today and next week. And then uh, we're going to take a break because Christmas happens that weekend. And then we're going to meet back together again the following uh, weekend to begin uh, the new year. And in the beginning of the year, we're actually going to start to be, begin to talk about or have a series on anxiety uh, and how we really deal with that sort of from the Christian perspective. Um, and now this is actually a pretty uh, good message to do next because this season that we have right now, this season of Christmas, can actually cause a whole lot of anxiety as well. And so I think that will be a much needed uh, talk to have after we've gone through these sort of the Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, season uh, where maybe a lot of relational things really come up, a lot of anxiety, frustrations, and even anger and bitterness uh, really even come up as well. And so we are in the Christmas season. Now, whether you're religious or not, whether you believe in God or not, whether you are a Christian or not, I think no matter what culture you're a part of, what part of the world you're in, you probably know that Christmas is around this time. Now, there's a lot of things that we use or a lot of words that we use to describe Christmas, and maybe you use these words all the time, but we often say that this season, all right, it's very telling that we're in this season when there's more festivities, right, or that the season is really festive. You see a lot of people going to ugly Christmas sweater parties where they wear some ugly thing that nobody else would want to wear. They wear it to the Christmas party. You see people dress up. You see a lot of people decorating their homes. And so this season has come, become known as something that's very festive. We also talk about this time, this Christmas season, as a time of peace. We try to look at it as a different time than any other time of the year. It's kind of like the way we want to picture Christmas as peaceful. It's kind of like when you see the, the manger scene or the nativity scene for Christmas, where you see the shepherds, you see the magi, you see the animals, um, you see the uh, Mary and Joseph, and you see the baby Jesus all sitting together, and it seems all calm and quiet and peaceful. And so maybe we kind of look at our time of Christmas like that, or at least we try to, in the midst of such a, a busy a sort of season that we're in. A lot of people refer to this time as being a happy time, though I think a lot of people make that synonymous with contentment. Even though happiness is an emotion, uh, contentment can be that as well, but that you can have contentment despite how it is that you actually feel, despite the circumstances that were around you, where I believe that happiness is really dictated by things that are happening uh, all around us. Our circumstances or people uh, around us that are telling us maybe not to feel that way or to make us feel depressed and frustrated and angry and bitter uh, and a mixture of all, the, all these other emotions. And so we describe it that way, but there are also things that happen uh, during this time or things that we actually do during this time that make it Christmas. Now maybe, I don't know if you do these kinds of things, but maybe you have hot chocolate, maybe you have uh, apple cider, maybe you sit around at the fireplace and you just read a book. Maybe it's during this time that you do that more often. We know in certain parts of the United States, you know, things get colder. You know, I'm originally from the South, and in Texas, we really didn't have winter. And when it was Christmas time, you would sometimes hope that it would at least be cold uh, outside. So it at least gives you that sense that this is the Christmas season. 
In some places, it's snowing right now, or there might be snow on the ground. I mean, when we lived in Montana, there was always snow during the winter season, and we know that that usually happens sort of around Christmas um, time. But I think you really know when you're in the season of Christmas, when you begin to watch television, and you see all these ads on TV about what you should buy for your spouse, for your kids, you get all these ads in these magazines uh, throughout the month of December uh, about what you should buy for your husband, for your wife, for your kids, what best deals you can go find out there. And so that's how we get to, I guess, when we, when we know that we're in the Christmas season because there are certain ways to describe it. There are certain things that we do. There are certain things that happen around us. Maybe the climate changes. A lot of things happen to tell us that we're in the Christmas um, season. Now, holidays are meant to be spent with family, right? I mean, that's what you're probably going to do. That's what we're going to do, uh, is that we usually make it as a time to spend with family. But I don't know if the holidays become something that we truly hope for them to be. Uh, other times, they are often filled with chaos. They're filled with depression, frustration, anger, and bitterness. Now, when I was at Walmart uh, just a couple of days ago, I stumbled upon something that was kind of ironic. When you get to the, one of the end caps there, you see this little sign that says this. It says, comfort and joy. Now, a lot of people hope that this is how we can describe Christmas as a time of comfort and joy. Though a lot of family gatherings, a lot of uh, feelings that we might have during this time may not be comfort and joy. And I think what's ironic about the sign at Walmart is you go a couple of aisles over and you see just complete chaos. You see some items missing from the shelves. You see things put in places where they're not supposed to be. You see things just all sort of messed up. And that seems to be what we're really dealing with when it comes to uh, this kind of time in our life, right? It becomes a, a place not of, or a time of, not of comfort and joy, but rather of chaos. Now my guess is why we feel this way, why we often feel like all of this sort of anger and bitterness instead of comfort and joy is because I think what the season has become is it's really become just really a giving season. We put undue pressure on our life, we put undue pressure on other people's lives because we feel like we have to give something during this time because it really is, as we look at it from our consumer mindset, when we look at it from uh, sort of the American consumer mindset and market, it, it's all about giving gifts, about what, finding the best deal so you can make somebody happy by buying something for them that they've always wanted. And so now it's not always just physical gifts, right? I mean, when we talk about Christmas and we talk about giving, it's not just gifts that we feel like we're, we're supposed to give, but it's also our time. We look at the time of, that might cause us some anxiety when we have to host people uh, from our family, where we need to clean up our home to be able to host. Or, or maybe it's the energy, and if you're like me, maybe you're introverted, and that's really difficult for us to have to be around family members for that long period of time. And so it's kind of draining to love on people who even you really deeply care for. And so there's a lot of things that we actually give during this time. It's not just physical gifts, so that's what we've made it all out to be, but it's a bunch of these other things, these other not physical things, these things that we can't just tie up in a bowl. But now this giving season, there's not a problem with that. It's not a problem that we've made it out to be like we wanna give something to other people or that we feel like we have to give something to other people. And so this time of giving can be wonderful. But a lot of the relational complexities that we experience in life, 
a lot of those things make it a lot less wonderful. And sometimes it makes it more of a drudgery uh, in our life if we uh, embark on that kind of journey with looking at giving and looking at Christmas as simply a be-all, end-all, I need to give something to somebody else. Now, when we look at uh, these types of uh, gifts that we give, there are always motives in which we give. There's always a certain reason that we give. And I don't know if this describes you. It describes part of my life as well, but maybe this describes you. But sometimes we give out of this motivation of guilt. You know, this is like a two-pronged thing. Like, this is guilt that we put on ourselves, and this is guilt that um, other people might put on us. And the guilt that we put on ourselves is over some wrongdoing or some sort of mistake that we make. And so by our giving of our gift, our time, or our energy, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make right what we've done wrong in the past. Now, there's also the guilt that other people put on us. People that put us on the quote-unquote guilt trip all the time. That there's no gift that we can give them that will make them happy. There's no gift that we can give them to clear us of the wrongdoing that we've done against them. Right? There's nothing good enough that can do that. And so the problem with this is, and I, is, and I know that guilt can get people to change their life. I know that. That can happen. But the guilt we're talking about here is almost a sense of condemnation. And so our minds can always make us feel guilty more than we think we should be. Our hearts can make us feel that way. Other people can continue to make us feel guilty. And those feelings may never go away. And so if that never goes away, if there's nothing ever that can make that guilt go away from us, that there's not going to be no amount of gift giving, whether our actual gift, a time, or energy, that's going to make that go away either. And so maybe you're motivated to give in this season because of some guilt, some mistake that you've made, trying to make that even better. Or we give by emotion. So many people in this time end the year, even though it's supposed to be a time of, of joy and peace, they begin the new year with a lot of credit card debt. Because they go and they buy for people around them based on emotion. Right? I feel like I should do this right now in this moment because I think this is what will make that person happy. And then they do that and then they have all these credit card bills at the beginning of the year that they're unable to pay because they bought a lot of things for the people around them simply out of emotion. Right? And they end up having this buyer's remorse. And so maybe that describes you. Or maybe we give to other people just out of duty. It's just a, sort of a sense of obligation. Like, I have to do this. I have to buy or I have to give of myself to this person. I have to give of myself in this situation. But you see, when we begin to do that, when we begin to look at our giving as a sense of duty or obligation, what it becomes then, it becomes like paying the bills. And I imagine if I talk to you, talk to anybody in our church, talk to anybody in our world, nobody likes paying bills. And so if gift giving becomes a duty or obligation, it becomes just like that. It becomes a burden. It becomes a drudgery. We don't want to do it anymore. So maybe you do it out of duty. Or you do it out of reciprocation. You do it so that you can get something back. You give only to receive. And maybe we fall into that trap there, right? And maybe it isn't that you want to get a gift back, but maybe you give so that you can get forgiveness. Maybe you give so that that relationship can be mended. Right? And so we've always got to check our motives and see and wonder, like, why is it the way that I, that I give? Like, why do I give in this way? Why do I give out of guilt? Why do I give out of emotion? Why do I give simply out of duty? Why am I only giving to receiving? And so we have to check our motives and really understand, like, where is it that we fall on this spectrum? And is there a better way for us to give? Now, if we bring this to faith, we bring this to Jesus, we bring this to God, what we find is he gives us a much better way to be able to give. 
And so when we look at the scriptures we're going to talk about today, we're going to really, not, a not so traditional passage that we're talking about today, and that's John chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, and that's where we really see the heart of, of God and how he gives to his people. Now when we look again at the season, you know, too often I think we find that uh, this Christmas season here really is a be-all, end-all about gift-giving. We take Jesus out of it, and it's all about just how I can give to other people. But you see, I think when we just give out of ourselves, when we give out of just self, self, uh, selfish motives, not instead of selfless motives, we end up falling into those traps that we just talked about, whether it's through guilt, whether it's emotion, whether it's reciprocation, uh, or whether it's through some kind of duty or obligation that we feel that we have to do. And so that's one of the things that we have to watch out for. And so there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for us to begin to give to others. And the way we look at how God gives, he gives out of love. And that's the way that we too ought to give. Because when we do that, right, our giving is no longer uh, a chaotic sort of thing. It's no longer a drudgery. It's no longer a dreadful thing. But it's a thing that's going to bring us ultimate joy and ultimate peace in this time. That can often be very anxiety-inducing. And so we go to John chapter 3, here's what he says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so it begins with the subject, with the actor behind all of this, with God. And we know that God so loved the world. This is what's a part of God. God is love, as we're going to see in the scriptures in just a second. This is a part of who he is, and everything he does is an overflow of his love and also his mercy, his justice, wrath, so on and so forth. But God is love, and that's how he acts in the world. And so it's that God so loved the world. This thing that we live on, this thing that he created to be good and perfect that we messed up, that we made totally imperfect, that is decaying right now. And it says that God so loved the world. And not just the world as a whole, but the individuals that make up the world. You know, God loves the creation, everything that he's made. But he loves even the other creatures that he's made as well. Those that he is, the only thing in all the creation that was made in his image was me and you. And in that, he tells us, look, like, I love you. I love you, and he loves me. So, for God so loved the world that he then gave. Now, I think we often overlook this or skim past it all the time, because it's a common verse, and you find it all over the place, and people recite it all the time. Whether you're Christian or not, you've probably heard it before. But you see, when we look at this, I think John is making a very profound statement here, as he's tying together two things about God is that God loves, and because God loves, he gives. And so the greatest being could, that we can ever imagine, God, is loving and is the most loving, and in being the most loving, he also gives. And because he is the supreme love giver, that he is also the supreme gift giver. And so when he gives us something, it is perfect. It is always in due time. It is always when we need it, not when we need it, and what it is that we want when we want it, it's when he believes it's best for us because God sees the bigger picture in our life. And so this idea of God being love, uh, God, God being a giver, right? That's all tied into something even greater because ultimately what we find behind the character of God is that God is holy. Now God being holy, he's other. He's set apart from us. He's not like us in that way. And so he's other than us. But when God is holy, he's also perfect. 
And so when we know that God is perfect, everything else that he does is in that fashion as well. So if God is perfect, his love is perfect. When ours is imperfect, his love is unconditional. When much of the time our love is conditional. So then when he gives, his gift is perfect. When he gives to us, it's not conditional. But when we give, it's conditional. We say, well, you got to do this before I can do this for you. And now we flip it around too, where maybe that someone else feels that way about us. And so when we look at God, God is the supreme love giver. And God is also the supreme gift giver for me and for you. And so it doesn't just stop there. So he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then he says this, whoever does not love, this is John in 1 John, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Right? And so we know that this is God's character, to love, to love you and to love me. And then John goes on in John chapter 3, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we know that the ultimate gift that we receive is Jesus. Because our eternity is on the line here. And not just in some far out place where we go to heaven, but that we can actually experience eternity in the here and now. Where we experience the life of God, the joy of God, and the peace of God in this life. As Paul will tell us in the book of Romans, is that when we're reconciled with God, we receive the peace of God in this life. Now, this is, I think, important for us to understand that God, out of his love, gives. Because then that's the only way we understand how it is that we have to begin to love. And then how we love other people is also meaning that we give of ourselves to them. And so when we have that in mind, right, you think about another passage, and maybe you've heard this before. And maybe you've heard this phrase before, and I think you probably see this sort of theme play out in movies all the time. Where in some movies it'll say, you know, that like this particular phrase, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that seems to be the theme of a lot of Hallmark movies and a lot of other Christmas movies, is that someone at the end of the movie decides, I've gotten some enlightenment from something, and I should not be greedy, I should not be a Scrooge, and instead I should give of myself, because in reality it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Acts, and he says that Jesus actually said this, that Jesus taught this, that it is more blessed for us to give than it is to receive. And so when we look at the character of God, when we look at what God has done in the Bible and throughout history, we find that there's no greater joy for God than to give to his people, to care for his people, to love on his people. But I wonder, and maybe this is a question you might have, and I, I have a, this question, but I wonder, is this true for us? Right? Is it, do we really believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? That Do we truly believe that? Is that true for me? Is that true for you? I think with a lot of Western culture, a lot of with uh, Western consumerism, as we see in church, it's uh, sort of bled into churches as well. I think what we find is that we don't quite believe this. We believe a little differently then. It is more blessed to receive than to give. You know, that's, you don't have to look very hard to know that this culture is a me culture, right? Everything that we do is for our own benefit. And we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't say this, but everything that everyone else does is really and truly for our benefit. At least that's how we want it to be. And so we truly believe it's more blessed to receive something than to give it. More often we're thinking about ourselves and not really thinking about somebody else. And so we would rather just get something from everybody else rather than have to think about giving to somebody. Or we think, well, it is more dreadful to give 
than to receive. Right? I mean, you think about the pressure of trying to find that perfect gift. You think about the anxiety and frustration that you might have when things are closing in and you have, haven't gone shopping and you have to buy something or try to host people at your home. You're having all this anxiety over all of those things. And so we think, man, it's a very dreadful thing to give of myself than to actually receive. And so when we think about that phrase, right, when we think about that verse of scripture, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, how do we then look at this time and this season, this season of giving as a blessing? And I think what, it, what, it ha what has to happen is that we have to reassess what our center is. I think if we are the center, right, of our motivations, then I think everything ultimately is going to become a, a selfish thing. But when we get to put God at the center in his rightful place, then the way we give becomes a really selfless act. Right? Everything that we do, our motivations become something for the benefit of other people rather than the benefit of ourselves. You know, Jesus said this, right? He goes back to the, the, in Matthew chapter 22 when he talks about the two commandments, to love God and love your neighbor. And those two things are really intertwined with each other. And I truly believe that we have to love God first the vertical relationship, before we can truly love people ver uh, horizontally, our neighbors, our family, and our friends, the way we ought to. Because I think ultimately when we are at the center, it's not just that we are selfish, but then I think we fall into the trap of us giving out of the motivations of guilt, out of emotions, out of duty, and even out of reciprocation. And that doesn't mean it doesn't happen when you're a Christian. I, I think it, it does happen, that's a temptation for us. But we're compelled even more to do or to shape our lives in a very different way according to how God would have us shape our lives. And the way God wants us to shape our lives is that we're, we're motivated by love instead of by guilt, instead of by emotion, instead of by duty, instead of by reciprocation that we need someone to give us something back. And so God gives us and shows us an even better way on how to love other people and how to love in the season of giving. And now we got to ask, well, what would our life look like? Right? What would happen, or what would our life look like if, our life, if, life, if love was our motivation? Right? What would happen if love was your motivation for giving? We go to a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, we often use this verse of scripture for uh, weddings. Right? We often say, oh, this is you know, a wedding passage. This is something that you say to uh, different um, couples who are going to get married. And though that's a great thing, I think this also applies even just to our own life. And so when we look at this and we say, well, what if love is our motivation? Well, love then is not just a physical gift that we give, but it's also these other things that we can't wrap in a bow uh, that we can give to other people. And so maybe in the season when we look at love as patient, right, you think about all these things you're having to host. You think about all these gatherings you're going to have. And so you think, okay, well, I need to be more patient maybe with these people who are coming over. And if someone, if the neighbor who comes over, who's I don't really care for, you're patient with them. Or the family member who comes over who maybe makes all talk about, politic, uh, about politics, you're maybe more patient with them. Or maybe you have kids who are just running around just crazy all the time. Maybe you're more patient with them. And that's the kind of love, that's the kind of gift you can give them is to be more patient in this time. We say that love is kind. 
right? When maybe tensions rise when family members are together for extended periods of time, which is kind of odd because you all really love each other and you often get in fights all the time, but maybe that's really what makes up a family. And so, but what love is kind is that during that time you can show kindness. Or if someone lets you down during the season or throughout, the, throughout your life, is that you're kind towards them even when they let you down. And that love does not envy. That during this time of Christmas that we are content with what our life looks like, what our Christmas is looking like right now, and not thinking like, I need to have the Christmas that my neighbor's having. I need to have the Christmas that my brother is having or that my other family member is having. That we're not envying over that, but we're happy and content within the season that God has given us. We're not going to go through all these, and then love is not easily angered, right? That we're not easily irritated when things don't go our way during this time. And then it keeps no records of wrongs. I love that that's where God is, right? God is like, he keeps no records of wrongs. Once we come into relationship with him, that's what he, how he looks at us. Keeps no records of these wrongs that we have. You see, we often hold these against other people around us. We oftentimes are... Uh, holding grudges against others in our family. And so when we gather together, right, we hold those resentments in, in hand as we're talking to them. And maybe we always have our guard up and not wanting to love them as we should. But in this time, it means that we have no resentment, right? That we can relate better with whether there's past hurts or whether there's present turmoil that's happening in your life right now. That you're always seeking to give love to them. We also know from 1 John, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So as we gather together with family members, right, love should be our motivation. You know, Jesus said that people will know that we are followers of Jesus by the way we love other people. So people will know that we're following God by the way we love each other. And that ultimately our motivation for how we give. When we look at what God has done for us, how much God has done for us, now, for God so loved the world that he gave, that he's done so much for us on our behalf that we should be willing to give that same love to people around us. So this season, I don't know what your motivation is. I don't know why it is that you give of yourself. I don't know why it's you give gifts to people around you. But let your motivation be love. Your motivation doesn't have to be guilt. It doesn't have to be emotion. It doesn't have to be out of duty or obligation. You don't have to do it because you want to get something back but that we can simply in this season give out of love. This was the way of Jesus, and it brought him such great joy in his ministry and his life here on earth. So what greater joy can we have than to give to people out of the love that God has so shown us? Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for your love and for your care. Thank you that you love us unconditionally. Thank you that you died for us even though we were still sinners. I pray, Lord, in this season, Lord, that you'd help us to be motivated to give, not out of these, out of guilt or emotion, or that we want to get something back from somebody else, but we give simply out of love, the love that we've experienced from you. Help us, Lord, help this time, Lord, to be a, a time of peace and joy, not of anxiety and of chaos. And Lord, at the end of our day, as the end of this season, and all of our life, that you would continually show us the love that you have for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.